Welcome. You are listening to the Peaky Pod, the Peaky Blinders podcast by the Story Archives. Oh, and I am your host, Zachary, and I am also here with Mario. I was actually testing you to see uh, how that intro would come out here. Yeah, it was it was a little better than I expected. Okay. Uh, we actually just um, recorded a trailer pod for season, actually season six. So, season you know, six. I know this is going to sound like it's in order, but um, we are doing a whole rewatch now. So we're actually mm-hmm. probably not going to finish the whole series before season six starts next month because we're so. recording this on January 11th, 2022. Happy New Year, yeah. Zach. Happy New Yeah, it's been a minute. Happy New Year. It's been a it's been a crazy holiday season for me. I don't know about you. Oh, <laughs> I think it's even it's been crazier, crazier than yours, uh, pal. That's actually true. I think it has been crazier yeah. than mine. Yeah. Um I'll give a little breakdown. Pretty much everyone caught COVID in my family. I'm almost positive I caught COVID, but I couldn't catch it on a uh, on a COVID test. Uh, yeah. but I got sick about a week or two before everyone else got sick. So maybe I was like the outbreak monkey. That got Something. everybody else sick, but um, whatever it was, it's gone now. Uh, but everyone else had it, so couldn't spend Christmas or New Year's with the hol- with the family, and uh, vacation got canceled too. So, yeah, that's, that that always sucks. Mine mine was interesting. I think we actually got sick on the same day, even though we hadn't seen each other. So it was just sheer coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I got sick. My wife got sick. Uh, felt like crap for a great three weeks two or three weeks. three weeks and then you know holiday season was fun with no taste or smell so you know oh you did food. you had no taste or smell either yeah, you left that part out I, well th- that happened after i started feeling better like all right so like the the really so you must have had covid not feeling feeling good you know happened and you know i was starting to feel better and then i'm like oh i can't really taste or smell anything which is weird because i didn't have any congestion or anything like that and I'm like, well, I've tested twice. My wife tested uh, once, and we've tested negative for COVID all, all, all every time. Uh, and we were just like, yeah, but we've never lost our taste from the flu. So I decided to go get a uh, antibody test uh, like this past weekend, and uh, apparently I have had COVID. So you must have had I it mean, with the levels of antibodies you that's had. That's what it says, man. I, I've got the strong stuff. Well, that's good. At least you don't got to worry about yeah. it for a bit. Yeah. I think not, everyone's sick and tired of this point. thing already, man. I'm sick and tired of people freaking out about being sick and tired. The only, like, the only, I mean, everyone's different, but I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I still got a little bit of brain fog, but that'll recover. So if I sound a little slow. Slower than you usually sound? I mean, yeah, a little slower than I usually sound. Okay. That's why. Damn, it's going to be pretty bad. Uh, I know, right? This is going to be like snail speed here, just right. rolling through it. But anyways, I'm I'm excited to be back and, and continue with season one so we can hopefully get this thing wrapped up in like the next week. Yeah, we didn't, you know, delay on purpose, but, you know, shit happens. Yeah, it. shit really hit the fan. Um, okay, well, we are on season one, episode three. I've had these notes prepared since uh, November. January 10th. Or, no, I think I edited it on January 10th. Not when I created it. No, mine have been done since November. Mine were done in, like, December, November as well. But I just touched it yesterday, and now it is telling me yesterday. Yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to get this going because we got season six coming out next month. 
and then um, we'll just keep on, you know, plowing through seasons one through five until we catch up. Yeah. But we're gonna you know, roll into season six too and do episodes immediately. Yeah, this is this is totally totally a uh, a, a pivot and you know a very quick rabbit hole, but I'll make it really quick. We should probably do like a not a trailer for season six because we just did that, but a bonus episode for season six that just quickly recaps us so that we know where we are at the beginning of it i agree that yeah. might not be a bad idea but we'll have to watch because i we need to recap ourselves we, well, we got to rewatch the first half of season six yeah yeah sooner right. than later all right out of the rabbit hole out of the rabbit hole into the episode let us begin i'm gonna start it here the side by side here sweet okay when you watch that trailer, you realize how much has happened since season one. So much. After seeing that trailer, it's funny to see the shots right here. Like the the budget has definitely expanded. <laughs> the budget's definitely gotten a lot. Yeah, bigger. Tommy's. I mean, this is first. You know season, what though? But... Let's not talk too much about season six because a lot of people might not watch season six and do this uh, this watch through or this listen through with us. So let's not that mention anything about any but any characters or whatever yeah we're not no no spoilers i don't think we're doing yeah. that episode um this episode opens up with tommy Doers. meeting up with the ira wannabes who offer money yeah. and connections for the guns well i mean it really well yeah it does start with that yeah i like uh the the bar back here you can see the massive thing of doers there have you had doers before i believe i have nothing nothing remarkable though yeah i got it when i was up in saint augustine for thanksgiving and i wasn't i was like eh. i've only had a, a few uh whiskeys and scotch that actually stand out like through, yeah. through memory <sighs> well, well we had in episode two we had that romantic moment with grace and tommy with the already broken already already broken we have the already broken moment by tommy which is like the that's like one of the most iconic scenes in all of peaky blinders but this one Mm -hmm. opens up and tommy still has the issue with he's got these guns and he's got to get rid of guns he's still trying to figure out how to what's the play on these guns right Mm Hmm. yeah remember they were accidentally stolen they're supposed to be something else yeah we get the whole. I can't remember down. what, but you know. Yeah, w- I like the uh, the Irish guys here. Seemed like a lot of fun. Now here we have uh, Grace being nosy. Yeah, well, near the door. You know, f- to recap, you know, Grace is a double agent of sorts. Her father was killed by IRA members, and so she's mm-hmm. kind of on a personal vendetta against the IRA. And. Um, Tommy's playing coy. I don't think Tommy even knows what he's doing here or what his plan's going to be in order to, uh, you know, he's playing multiple sides. He's playing the English government. He's playing the IRA, and he's playing Campbell, who's on his ass, really. He's he's watching his every move. Yeah. How uh, You think he's playing the uh, government at this point? He has to. Uh, whoever has the guns is pretty much Churchill. True. If you remember that meeting with Campbell and yeah, Churchill, he says, true. look, this isn't like uh, Glasgow, you know. You can't bodies yeah. can't wash up on the shore here. By the way, I have a note here in my episode notes from when I wrote this. This scene is probably one of the more awkward ones. You got these two grown men just singing into the face of Tommy in the middle of a negotiation. 
it, dude, it's so awkward. Right? I was I was watching this well yesterday just to refresh my memory, and I'm just like, this is kind of cringy. <laughs> the way this guy's staring at him, yeah. singing and pounding his fist on the table. I got to give it to Tommy. Tommy's the king of eye contact. He keeps a straight face. King man. of eye oh contact. My gosh, it's true. He's like, all right, well. Yeah, I think this, that's one thing I should probably get better at. Constant eye contact. Like, just intimidating. It doesn't work. For the, for the hell of it. You can't, like... It makes you feel awkward. Unless you're Tommy Shelby, don't do that. Uh, you've already got to be a little drunk for that. You think so? Maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, you hear... So, Grace... Go ahead, go ahead. What? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so Grace is supposed to uh, go to the horse race, or the race, with uh, with Tommy, but... I think she's kind of changing her mind here. Nah, she's not. She's trying to work Tommy. She's somewhat interested in Tommy, but at the same time, she has a mission to do as well. She's got to get close to him to find out if he has the guns, right? Of course. And she made her extra money. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear Tommy talk about here that he has like a little tactic where he gives them, he gave those IRA members some alcohol because he says, you know, you want to know who's real and who's not. And so essentially he he weeded him out. It's it's actually a good little wisdom piece right there, right? It's good proofing water. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I I also like uh Tommy's line a little earlier. Um when he was talking to Grace. Uh he's like, oh, "I don't buy my suits. My suits are on the house. The house burns down." <laughs> I like that. You know, we like that, but we'd hate that person in real life. <laughs> yeah, we would. We would. <laughs> you own the suit shop and you're they like, like it here. I like F yeah. yourself, dude." You know, it's so interesting to see Ada. I don't want to say anything about later seasons, but she's, you know, she's so innocent here. It's like oh, a little wedding scene, and she she's she's not na- she's naive in a way, you know. Yeah, I f- I think it's interesting that that she's wearing white to the wedding. Like I don't know, is that like a newer cultural thing where you only wear white if you're pure, or isn't no, that like more man. like a w- tradition w- thing? Wives wear white to the wedding. The wedding dress is white if you're if you're pure. What do you mean? She's already pregnant. I I've never heard of that in my life. I've heard of it. That if you're not if you're up. pregnant, you can't wear white. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like some see. Puritan shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a like a, a bride like what if she stroll down the aisle in black or off white? Like know. oh, I don't know. <laughs> that one's been around. Eh? Um, here. Campbell makes a comment here about his, you know, Campbell seems like a guy who doesn't know how to shut up. Like he's, you know, <laughs> he hasn't had much success or maybe he's had a little mm-hmm. bit of success. And whenever he's kind of like, he feels like he has an in on something, he just keeps on talking. And here he actually gives away the gender of his operative, you know, in that, in a mm-hmm. comment to the sheriff there. I mean, can you imagine if this guy was your spy handler? Oh, no. I would not be, be awful. satisfied. Here we have Grace in the next scene. We have her trailing the IRA. Like I said, she's on a personal vendetta. I think she could literally give a damn about Campbell and anything else. Her dad was ultimately, I think, killed by the IRA, and so she wants revenge. Yeah. And so she's trailing one of the uh, the members from this bar here. And um, little does she know that this guy actually, uh, I think he had an eye on her from the beginning. Yeah, she I think was, he knew he was being tailed. Yeah. He's hiding off in the corner here. He walks up and grabs her yeah. up against the wall. By the way, just I feel like unrealistic. Kind of some plot armor here for Grace. 
Uh-huh. Right? Real life, she doesn't, you know, she's not getting away here. He has the gun in his hand. Yeah. He was a bit too talkative. So, I mean, he could have been a little too drunk. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she just she just shot and killed the IRA member. So, now she's <laughs> she's having a mental breakdown. And while she's having a mental breakdown. Somebody's watching, right? Like, that's what this angle's for. Uh-huh. Somebody saw it. But who saw it? Because, you know, in this episode, you don't really find out who saw that. But well, the camera angle gives important. it away, though. Yeah, I, I think the key thing is us knowing that somebody did see it because it kind of reveals itself Yeah, um, a little later on here. Yeah, here, you know, Tommy finds out that Ada and Freddie disobeyed his orders. They didn't take the money um, to leave town. And so, you know, Tommy's pissed. He's just trying to... He has enough <laughs> stuff on his plate. He doesn't want to have to deal with Freddie Thorne and... Um, his communist little thing that he's got going on. He doesn't need oh, to yeah. deal with the communist uprising. No. I'm, well, I mean, it was part of the uh, the deal that he made with Campbell anyways, was that, you know, Freddie was going to be gone. True. You're right. It was one of the conditions. So, yeah. So there's a lot riding on his not being here. Mm-hmm. So... He just, he informs Polly of what you just said, by the way, on the condition of uh, of Campbell uh, yeah. getting Freddie Thorne out, which which I do think we heard earlier on in like. Uh, well, we saw it at the tea party thing in the right? last episode. Yeah, I think it was the last episode. Yeah, Grace is deal- oh, she- dealing with a post murder uh, traumatic exp- spell here. Zach, when you yeah. when, you know after your first murder, did you have a meltdown like this? no i was actually i felt quite peaceful um <laughs> interesting yeah, yeah. no th- no I mean, throwing very, up very methodical no throwing up no it was very methodical and and thought out so it's just like i don't know it, you, you know when you smoke a cigarette it's just ah that's what it was like yeah i'd expect nothing less <laughs> <laughs> anyways grace is a good person uh zach i'm not so sure but uh Grace is having kind of like her her moment here, but uh, (laughs) Campbell, because of his nonsense speaking to the sheriff, the the sheriff's kind of on to him that the person who killed this guy who left the pub was his operative. So now, not only are they on to the operative, they know they know it's a chick. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we always knew that uh, that it was a well. I guess maybe he didn't know until just a few minutes ago when he told him that it was a woman. So. I take that back. Yeah. You know, it's, um, Polly's trying to play the, essentially the mediator here with Ada and, and Freddie. She doesn't want mm-hmm. Tommy to get involved. She knows that Ada's pregnant, you know, so she wants yeah. to, um, she wants to protect it and have the best of both scenarios here. Mm-hmm. Freddie has to think about the offer here because pretty much it's like leave and take the money, you know, what do you do if you're, you know, if I'm Freddie, I don't leave personally, you know. Really? Yeah. Why would I leave? Wow. Well, no I man's mean, gonna tell me well, to if, leave, or if, if I don't want to leave. You re- if you really loved her, though, I mean, the, the the alternative is you're you're gonna die. I'm not gonna die. Like I think I think that's the. Uh, well, the Shelby's will want you dead. Oh, I'm gonna get the Shelby's dead back. You know, like it's not. There's a, there's an army of Shelby's. Right, he's got an army of communists. Ah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, he could strike back. I don't know, man. I think it's my pride talking, but, like, you imagine some guy comes up to you and says, you got to leave town. Take the money. 
if I want to live there, I'm not going to leave. There's more context to it, though. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants anybody to tell them what to do, but... I mean, you kind of got to balance, all right, well, you want something. And so, you know, the, the people holding that thing are saying you have to do this in order to have it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of makes sense. Freddie always kind of feels a little half-baked. He does. He feels like a hothead. Yeah. A really like he doesn't think through his, his decisions. No, not at all. Yeah. Grace is having a, there's a lead up here with Campbell. They They love this little art museum that they go to. And yes, um, you know, Campbell definitely has the hots for Grace in, in a weird, a in a weird paternal feeling. type of way. Yeah, it almost it almost seems incestual, but they're not related, so it's okay. Yeah, I think so, it's just because Campbell's so repulsive. That too, that that happens. <laughs> but um, well, she she looks and seems so innocent. He he just seems like a a dirty dude. Well, you know. We we know certain <laughs> things about Campbell. Yeah, that we do. Tommy kind of does this little uh, impromptu meetup with Billy Kimba. Billy Kimba, and uh, he's really just trying to make an impression. It's like this this Tommy is like that that hustler. He's a salesman. He's a hustler. He's kind of like a grifter. You know what I mean? Like he's just trying to make an impression here. I don't think he's gotten to the point where he feels like. You know what? I got to take it back. I think he's to the point where he knows Kimber is just an obstacle. He's got to find a way around Kimber. Yeah, I don't think he's ever been extremely intimidated by Kimber. Yeah. And he already knew that Kimber was into the barmaid, right? So he wanted to bring her. He's read mm-hmm. him pretty straight here. Yeah. He has. Speaking of yeah, speaking have. of Freddy's communist uh army here you know what i mean this is what tommy's trying to avoid you got Tom- freddie assembling this unrest in a factory <laughs> and um you think about it he's got his little he's got his little crew too yeah it reminds me of nowadays uh they don't want us to assemble so get in groups of three <laughs> mm-hmm. can't be in big crowds yeah Tom- tommy's in between a rock and a hard place because he knows mm-hmm. he knows about ada and, and freddie but he's also has the pressure from campbell and that Ada, you know, he gets threatened that Ada's going to be held for sedition, essentially. Mm-hmm. So here here we have a scene where uh, Thomas is going in to talk to Arthur. He has the Flanders Blues, which if you don't know what, what that is, is that, it's yeah. basically, it's PTSD. That's uh, what it is. Yeah. How'd you know that? I, I looked it up a while back. Ah, uh, gotcha. I'm like, what is that? Like, oh, that makes sense. I don't know why you call it Flanders Blues, but... Maybe somebody can explain that in the comments. They all have PTSD in their own way, right? We see more of Tommy's yeah. and Arthur's, but not as much as John's. Um, and yes, John was there with them. I was just about to ask, was he even there? He was, but Flynn, Flynn was the only one that was, or Finn was not the only was the only one that was not. Yeah, well, we don't know who that is yet, so. Who, Finn? Yeah, we do. We do? Oh, Finn, okay. Yeah, Finn is the, he's a little boy at this point. There's another kid that we don't know yet. Oh, yeah. You're thinking of someone else. Yeah, I'm thinking of somebody else. You really, you're, you're, uh, you're edging towards uh, some the deep ends on, on this episode, Zach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trying to reel you back. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what about, but all right. <laughs> Spoilers mainly. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, here... A lot of scenes happen in the church. A lot of confession scenes happen in the church. I don't think that's coincidence. You got Tommy so. who tells um, 
Arthur about the guns here. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's kind of, you know, daft. I mean, how does he not figure it out by now that Tommy is the one behind it? Yeah. Arthur's got a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, I mean, a lot of them drink, like, a massive amount all the time. But he's really got some issues. He's always drunk or doing something. But you have, um, Tommy's kind of premeditated this like he knows how to if anybody knows how to push his button his brother's buttons it's tommy like he knows mm-hmm. how to get arthur to um to pretty much be useful to him in some ways mm-hmm. so he actually gives him here a surprise and uh, it's pretty epic i'm not gonna lie i um, mean i wouldn't mind it right yeah your brother gives you a, a bar a, literally a bar <laughs> yeah tommy gifts arthur the garrison for him to manage and um, essentially, it's a fulfillment of a dream they had back in, in the war where they said, you know, they wanted to open up a pub. So mm-hmm. now the garrison is officially like Peaky Blinders headquarters, HQ. It was already mm-hmm. pretty much owned by them before this. It's basically but, HQ, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe one day I'll have one too. We'll see. Yeah. Well, on to the Cheltenham races, right? Not quite yet. He's got a flat tire. Yeah, <laughs> that's the next big bit, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The races. It's just that the, the Cheltenham races are such the highlight of this episode. It is. It, it's everything. Well, actually, there was this confrontation between Tommy and Freddie. That was that was pretty intense. Little little odd. Is it? You know, little odd. I think it's because we know Tommy from behind the scenes that that confrontation with Freddie is kind of like we honestly know that Tommy's not going to do anything. In my opinion. I just feel like at this point we know Tommy's a good man, you know. He he has some redeeming qualities. So I'll leave it at that. Well, I'm not gonna say like he's a good man. I'm gonna say that he doesn't kill people that he loves, you know. Yeah. And with you know, think about it, was bang Danny. Danny was bang. Yeah, he shot him with. He shot him with the brains. with exactly yeah. with pig brains or whatever. You know, he did, even under pressure, he doesn't turn on those that you know he loves. He tries to pull a bluffs. On some people, but Freddie knows him by now. But maybe not yeah. as well as we think because Freddie has a gun on him. You know, he's had it there the, whole, the entire time. He, I mean, Tommy's just sitting there. Yeah, he walks up to him with a gun on him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Tommy, Tommy's very cool and collected, like ninety nine percent of the time. But then we see these really random childlike outbursts, which is interesting. Yeah, well, we know. so it kind of. He's kind of unhinged at, at times. Mm-hmm. He's always thinking a step ahead. You know, even in his That's calm conversation true. with Freddie, you know, he plays dirty too. Yeah. You've got to play dirty to win sometimes. In reality, he's, you know, trying to protect. Is he really protecting his sister's cause by keeping her away from Freddie or is he keep protecting his own ambitions? Because if there's one thing at this time that there is no patience for, it's communism. So, Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, it's like Tommy is, he knows that if you have Freddie involved, his business dealings are going to get pretty much really unraveled. And Tommy himself has some, a past of, you know, communist or socialist leanings when he, before he went to the war, but Mm -hmm. uh, he kind of became more of a realist after, after he came back from the war. Yeah. And then Freddie just went farther down the path. Yeah. 
if you think about it, all the men who come back from the war, they all find like something that they pour themselves into. Right? Tommy's pouring yeah. himself into building an empire. You know, Freddie's poured himself into creating a revolution. Arthur's poured himself into alcohol and depression. <laughs> and John is uh, pretty much just John, John Boy. John Boy doesn't have much <laughs> depth no, he, to him. He does not. Not yet, at yeah. least. So there's, but there's yeah, some... I, I feel like it's kind of comes from the perspective. It's like, well, you know, I could be dead. So why not just do everything I can at this point? Yeah. Like, who cares? You want to know the only person that his threats don't work on? Polly. Polly. Uh, so now Tommy ain't intimidating like Polly. <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, it's his mother, basically. She'll she'll yeah. beat the crap out of him. Yeah. So right now we finally get like a, a slowed down dream sequence of what actually happened in the tunnel that we've been seeing snippets yeah. of over the past uh, two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're mm-hmm. on episode three. So this is this is very a very interesting scene. You get the uh, whole yeah exactly the whole background of the PTSD and what really went down that gave uh, Tommy and the boys um, essentially honorable medals for their service, right? Yeah. You see, Danny. I mean, th- this shot you know down here in the tunnel it, it really reminds me a lot of uh, 1917. Yeah. It's got some vibes from 1917. It's so claustrophobic, sure. man. Oh my gosh! You imagine that job, and to think men actually had to do this, man, it's crazy. I'm just like thinking about the the ceiling, like collapsing the dirt on you, rock just falling on you, like for like what? Because someone shot a gun or a grenade goes off, uh-huh. or you hit a wall, <laughs> and fighting underneath there, they were buried Ooh. alive. Yeah, I guess somebody just got shot, not now getting stabbed with a Freddie. Was that Whizbang? Freddie was the one who took a bullet for Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Well, they finally broke through the wall, which apparently happens more than not. Really? From, yeah, from, I think is what we, we hear in this conversation, right, right here with. You get a really cool, you know, look into the loyalty that the men that fought with Tommy have for him, you know, specifically Danny. Oh, yeah. You know, there's another side here. These men have a deeper bond through the adversity that they faced and the horrors that they faced in World War One. Mm-hmm. this is danny and he seems way more calm and collected of a sounder mind than when you first see yeah. him it was like when he was shot he was born again right yeah you kind of got get that sense and he needs a goal he needs a mission mm-hmm. well i mean they're they're so like, like service and duty like it's so ingrained in them at this point right like that's that's their lives like they're there for a mission. They're there to do something, and with it, it's like uh, it's like people who work all their lives, you know, and then they retire. They like some people just die because they don't have anything to do, and like they can't handle it. It happens. It happens more frequently than you think. I actually know someone yeah. that uh, I think a couple of months after they retired, they died. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfectly healthy all before, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you you stop doing, you know, what what you're what you're meant to do or not necessarily meant to do or, but it's like yeah that's why i put it in it's crazy you work your you know you work your whole life to retire and yeah. then you know you pass yeah but here you have uh, you have tommy you have tommy and um danny pretty much lamenting their the fact that mm-hmm. they both volunteered to serve you know and they <laughs> if they could go back it's almost like if they could go back and talk to their younger selves they would have said don't do it yeah 
So this, right here is the conversation where Tommy's basically saying, like, you know, every night he has a recurring dream, and he, he's he's always praying, or well, not praying. He specifically removes that word. He wait. He hopes, right? Yeah. That the sun comes through before you know they come through. So yeah. Apparently, apparently he gets the uh, the replay of getting uh, Freddie getting shot and Danny going off on somebody every night. Mm-hmm. And that's why he does drugs. I don't. So. I don't think that that points to them breaking through in reality all the time, like historically. I just mm-hmm. think that his specific situation, he can't. I mean, I can't imagine having to overcome that sort of uh, mm-hmm. trauma in that sense. For sure. But you have a look into why Tommy can never stop. It's almost like he just wants to run away from that, you know. Mm-hmm. Danny Wisbang leaves a, a note about, I will do my duty, sir. You know, Tommy has a bunch of soldiers. That's really what this is. This is the war. He brought the war back home. Yeah, keep in mind, we're like, what, only a few months after the war? Right? This, like, is, probably, very, this is probably less than a year after the war. Yeah. They just came back. And Paulie mentions this all the time, you know, where this was a woman's company when you boys were off at war. You know, the women forget. Back. You know, they talk like that, but it's like... Yeah, we were not there, you know, you know, galloping through daisies and Whittling stuff. Our thumbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd ju- you know, great. I'm sure they would trade places instantly. Mm-hmm. Well, you have Tommy and Grace now getting ready for the race here, and um, Grace is ready. She's got a, she's got her. She's asking for some extra money for uh, for a very nice dress. And you get this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the episode. You get the the getting ready scene of Grace uh-huh. and Tommy, right? Yeah. You get the old Very, style uh, single blade, sensual, slowed down. Is it sensual? Washing up with a you know rag. what it feels like. It feels almost like a, a bride and a groom getting ready yeah, for a, does. for a, a wedding day, right? This would be a great like. Montage. A great idea for a wedding video, yeah. I think people do this. <laughs> but I show the guns too. Yeah. <laughs> both of them are loaded guns. That. Yeah. It ends with That's both of hilarious. them packing a gun. Right? <laughs> Very interesting. Oh man. Yeah, they both pack one. You know, they're kind of you know, two peas in I a mean, pod, you know? They both got then, alternative I, I missions. Kind of be foolish too, right? I mean it's like the old West. Everybody's running around with a gun. You think so? I think it was illegal back then to hold a gun. I don't. I mean, I don't know what the what the laws were in England. I like Charlie. Charlie's always at a hundred miles an hour. Those coppers yeah. control the law there, Tommy. <laughs> He's always like worrying about something. The other father figure here. He always is always dramatic. I need more yeah. than that to come back alive, Tommy. There she is, extremely lady in red. Grace is there in her. Uh, you know. She's looking good. <laughs> Here we have uh, a great scene coming up shortly. There we go. You know, everybody marching. I love that the fact Charlie's worried, but Tommy's not. You know, he doesn't tell everybody his plans. He's always got a plan. He lets people he's worry for him, but he's got soldiers ready and lined up there at the yeah at the at the track. You gotta love John Boy here. He's killing me. You love John Boy, but Arthur's lives for this, man. Arthur oh, lives know. for this. Arthur's like a he's the meathead, the muscle. He's the, he loves these scrapes, <laughs> man. He loves he's the back alley 
Brawler. Yeah. Uh, he he packs a punch for a skinny dude. Like Arthur's like those old school skinny, boxers who fight like this, where yeah. they have like their fist in front of the other. Uh huh. Or like this. How do they do it? They. Yeah. That's something along yeah. those lines. They give them a bunch of hammers and stuff. Oh my gosh! Imagine getting cut with that freaking nice. thing. Crowbar. Why do they got this little kid out there? Do you know the Peaky Blinders were made up of kids, right? Yeah, but that's life? a literal five-year-old. I'm out, bro. Come on. I mean, you got you gotta like a hatchet in your hand. You're going to do something. A five-year-old? <laughs> Why not? Nobody's going to expect it. I know, but for God's sake, he's five. somebody in the shins. He's five years old. He's a little kid. Imagine getting like, you get hit in the shin with that thing. Dude, oh. With the, the Achilles tendon right yeah. there. You got Tommy and Grace. You're Tommy, <laughs> Tommy is clearly Tommy's clearly not on a date mindset here. He is, he's got a no. mission. He's going through the back way of the track, and he has one mission. And you know what that is? He's dragging her along. Yeah. Well, he's trying to. Uh, he's already fixed this race for the most part, and um, he has a plan to sneak into the upper echelon, the wealthy room. Yeah. You know, I, I thought I thought Tommy was kind of slipping up a bit with Grace until that scene because, you know, she asked the question, you know, like, oh, how would you fix a race? He's like, how the hell should I? Should, how should, yeah, how should I yeah, I got that same impression. Oh. Like, he was like, yeah, I'm like she, was right, getting, right. she was getting too close and he was like, yeah, chill out. Too close, too He's quick. Like, chill out. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't know each so, other like that. Tommy, take off his hat that. here? Yeah, it's off. Is this the first time Tommy doesn't have a hat on? Well, he's doing business right now, right? Like, this is... You know the hat is is there for protection. You got the razor blades in there. You don't you don't need it for talking to Billy Kimber because Billy Kimber's not a threat. Grace really does look good here. Like this is like ten out of ten. Grace right here. Mm hmm. Tommy even dances. Tom. I don't take him as the dancing type, but when he's on business and he's on a mission, he'll even well, he's dance. Still the super focused though. Yeah, he's looking at Billy. I mean, he's trying to flaunt her. He brings dancing. he brings Grace. He's dancing with Grace in the middle of the dance floor for the audience who's not she's watching. So clueless about it. Yeah, too. and he's just trying to parade her around so he can see her. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he now he has seen her. He knows he's seen her. And uh, you get Arthur bust in through the door here and hand Tommy a a bag of gold that they've collected from a. Uh, the uh, the different, I guess, like the robbers who are trying to hold up the bookies. Is it the Lee Boys? Yeah, it's the Lee Boys. Yeah, the Lee Boys are like the rival gang here that are holding up all these racetracks that are that's become a security yeah. issue for Kimber. So what Tommy's trying to do is he's trying to take over the security for it. And Grace has no idea that she's being used as a as a ploy here. So he, now she's kind of catching wind. That it's like, oh, I'm just literally a tool here. Yeah. You know, Tommy in, in this whole episode is, I mean, most of the time he is, but in this episode specifically, he's hes a great salesman. <laughs> uh, he's just, he's a great salesman. His negotiating skills are, are a bit rough around the edges, but. Uh, I think if you know anything in business, it's that if you can be useful, you will get hired. If you can solve mm-hmm. a problem for somebody, even though Tommy crassly comes over and pours a bunch of coins on the table. It's all of his own money. Kimber's money. But this is a, you know, this is, like I said, a hustler, Tommy. This is somebody closing a deal, Mm -hmm. trying to get a foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly what he wants. He goes for it. And he asks for the percentage that he wants and everything. Here are the offers. He offers them to outsource the security to the Peaky Blinders for 5%. And immediately, you can tell Kimber's disinterested. And he says, deal with my accountant. Right? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, dance, man. the one condition Kimber has is that he wants to have sex with Grace. So Tommy pretty much gives her gives him a chance. He says, "Yeah, you can have sex with her." Yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's most of the the rest of the episode. Honestly, at this point, right? I mean, we have Grace riding back to uh, to Kimber's house, and yeah, you get a you um, get a Tommy scene gets where Kimber's wife and they're just Kimber's like, "Hey, outside. you can have my wife, and you know, I can take your girl." And uh, essentially, Tommy almost has more. By the way, Kimber's wife's pretty. But uh, mm-hmm. Tommy almost has, like, if you think about it, he could probably get with Kimber's wife here. But vice versa, Grace is not having it with yeah. Kimber. Well, she, uh, Kimber's wife, I think she said something. She was actually a millionaire before she even met Kimber. So I want, I'm curious to know what her role is in this, assuming there is one, or what she did before. I think Kimber's probably somebody who came up the ranks like Tommy, but it's probably his accountant that is more responsible for the success. And the accountant wanted somebody that he's that's not him to be the face so that if something yeah, happens... I was, I was just going to say, he seems like the face of the operation, not the brains. Exactly. He's the muscle. Maybe. He, he's the Arthur to... Uh, it's like if Arthur was in charge. Tommy. It's kind of like if Arthur was in charge, right? Yeah. But the accountant looks kind of soft. He does look a bit soft. At the same time, though, he looks like the guy that would just, you know, have somebody go off you if you wanted. He reminds me of a character from Boardwalk Empire, uh, Meyer Lansky. Well, Kimber, not Kimber's not having his way with Grace, so instead he decides he's going to forcefully do it. Uh-huh. And Tommy has a moment of conscience where he <laughs> pulls a romantic move of stopping the rape of Grace from happening by telling him... <laughs> he's got the clap <laughs> <laughs> talk about a romantic move yeah they get together later and she's like you know i remember your father i knew he loved me when he said uh, he stopped me from being raped and said i had the clap <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it's hilarious grace is of course up to here with it she's done with it oh yeah but you know this, this, I think this is part of, you know, his way of, you know, trying to break her down to see. You think so? I think if she's actually working for somebody or not. Like, no. I, you know, if, if he, if he genuinely had interest in her, I don't think he would have gone this route. By the way, that's probably the line of the episode. Yeah, I think so. But you have a where she that. says, I started the day as Lady Sarah Connemara and I ended the day with, as a whore with the clap. <laughs> you know, the episode ends with Grace questioning Tommy whether, like, why did he, did he change his mind? And Tommy doesn't answer because Tommy doesn't answer to anybody. But you can clearly tell that Tommy is interested in Grace. Mm-hmm. And that concludes episode three season one of peaky blinders i very interesting i disagree with you on tommy sussing her out i think he does have a suspicions but i think him stopping her had all to do with him being interested in her and not wanting to see that that take place because the the stopping part of it i I agree i I think that's because he does have some interest in it but i I think this is kind of serving as like two birds one stone or yeah that's that's right Mm -hmm. you know Killing two birds one stone because he knows that. Yeah. Well, I don't see how it would prove that she's not. I I don't think he has a suspicion of this, 
of this girl. He has a suspicion of her past, but um, he guesses wrong on pretty much, you know, what the deal is with her. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just somebody who's kind of opening himself up for love again. And uh, I don't think he's really sussing her out. I think he sees her as a tool he can use because she's an attractive woman. And, and Kimber's kind of just like a primal. Uh, he doesn't have any control of of his urges or whatever. So he's like, you know what? If I can use her, but now it's gotten too deep and you know, now he's mm-hmm. he's into her. So it always gets complicated for Tommy. He wants things to be easy, but then you got Freddie marrying his sister and you have the sister pregnant and then you have Arthur with the with the Flanders blues and you got yeah. Grace that he now likes and so now he can't, you know, use her as easily as he would have and mm-hmm. so now he's pretty much bound to have some sort of confrontation at some point. But the only follow up that I think I'll I'll have to that is you know, I, I feel like if he's not suspecting, you know, that she may not be trustworthy, and this is kind of like a way to just, you know, I mean, you're, you're trying someone's out. Like, if they're going to continue, like, go through it or go through with it or whatever, I don't know what that would reveal here. But um, if he wasn't suspecting it a little bit, I feel like he's really just being sloppy because he's moving really quick and getting really close really fast. However, there was still there's still the one scene where she asks a question and the, the question just really stood out because I mean that's exactly what they were there for they were fixing races right and she asks and he you know he doesn't like it's like you know how how would I know like I don't even know anything about that well just completely dying I don't so, think uh, Tommy's worried about anything else in his operations being exposed I think the only thing he's concerned about are the guns so okay. and he I think he's confident enough to know I mean he owns the bar that she works at. To keep eyes on her, I'm sure he keeps eyes on her, and he's not going to let her any clo- anywhere close to the guns because the only people who know about the guns is him. I think Curly, mm-hmm. Johnny Dogs, maybe, um, Arthur and Charlie, and Polly. I might have renamed a couple of people there, but um, like double you may double have. spoke. But uh, he's only left it to his m- most trusted men. Not John Boy doesn't even know about it. So there's really no risk here of anybody finding out, other than the government going to the place where where he has them and, and see, you know, seizing it somehow by, by luck. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think his plan is he can get close to her, still suss her out a bit, you know, see if anything is suspicious there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but still kind of mix business with pleasure a bit. So, um, <laughs> it leaves us off on an interesting point because now Tommy has his foot in the door with, with Kimber. Um, but he still has not progressed anything with his deal with Campbell because Freddie's still in town. Yeah. So he still has some pressure coming from there. So I expect the next That's episode true. is going to be a bit more to do with Campbell. Well, I'm excited for the next episode. Before we wrap this one up, favorite scene? Favorite scene? Uh, the race. I, I think the scene. race has to be like the whole, the you know, Arthur beating up the guys and getting the money and Tommy throwing the bag of money on the table. I love that scene. You? Yeah. Um, yeah, the favorite scene that I, I wrote down was basically the whole negotiation of walking in and dropping the money down and, you know, the smug look on, on their face. I think it was, I think that was my favorite out of this entire episode. It was close. The, the you know, the other one was the guy singing, Arthur's, singing to uh, Tommy during the negotiation. Who's that? Just kidding. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's my favorite. Uh, I think it's the most awkward. Definitely. Um, I, my the the other one that I liked a bit was uh, you know Arthur's speech though because that was kind of since we're giving the same one I'll give a different one um, Arthur's speech because I feel like that's like the f- first moment in this episode where he's kind of stepping it up and 
not being, you know, somebody who's just like shell shocked, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he's actually doing something active in here. So it was it was interesting to see that side of him. Yeah, I agree. Overall, strong episode. Strong episode. Got you got mm-hmm. like some sort of culmination of a build up there from the races. So looking forward mm-hmm. to the next one. Um, Zach, do you want to close us out on this episode? For sure. Well. Thank you for listening to the Peaky Blinders by Story Archives podcast. You can find us anywhere you can find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're also in other places, uh, but those are the main ones. You can find us online at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at T-H-E-M-E podcast. Uh, you can find us on... And Story Archives. Uh, well yeah you can that's right sorry i got that backwards so you can find us at story archives on instagram uh, you can find us uh on the media network the midnight exchange at the midnight you can find us on facebook at the midnight exchange instagram at the midnight exchange twitter at t-h-e-m-e podcast and uh if you want to send us an email you can send an email to podcast at the midnight exchange.com that outro is getting quite long it is i think we gotta i gotta cut that down yeah it'll all be in the show notes folks all right yeah i think what we're gonna have to do is we're just gonna have to do like a a simple link which is like if you want to find anything about us go to the show notes here and it's just yeah exactly yeah yeah agreed that's gonna agreed, be much agreed. easier just I, or just I'm, get them to the instagram and to our website yeah i'm getting rambly this late, yeah yeah, so. yeah all right y'all thank you for <laughs> tuning in as always thank you thank you this show cannot be done without you all who tune in and enjoy it Zach, a pleasure. Until the next one. As always. Take care. Stay peaky.